church, right? That's good stuff right there. Who said it's bad to laugh in church, right? Well, happy Father's Day. We're excited that you are here this morning and uh, excited to be on this Father's Day. We've already had bacon and sausage and competition, and uh, we were having a cornhole competition out there this morning, if you were here early enough to do that, and uh, it was a little bit of a a, a different uh, swing on how we do cornhole, and so we were keeping track of it, and uh, we do have a winner this morning of the Cornhole Challenge, and now they are the new owner of a cornhole set that they can take with them wherever they want to. Mr. Tom Henry right there. Who just even just a few weeks ago discovered his cornhole talents. Didn't even know that they were there. They were secret and hidden. And now he's a cornhole champion. He's going to start traveling the world and uh, challenging everybody and being bag tossing. So um, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Uh, we do have a runner up in that as well. Mr. Derek Michaud uh, right here. All right. Yeah. So we got a little gift card for you. There we go. And Tom, you can, uh, Tom, you remember to make sure you take that when you leave today, and, uh, and that'll be your prize. So, and then the tug of war, was that not epic? Is, well, this team, I mean, you literally pulled the floor from out underneath of them. That was awesome. Uh, Alex came up to me today right before we did. He's like, hey, those carpets are probably going to move. I was like, I know. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so he was trying to be a wise, fatherly figure in my life, and I'm still a junior higher that needs to grow up a little bit. And I was like, I know. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, but that was good stuff. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoy your Twix bars um, and, and all of that. So, well, Hey, this morning uh, we are just going to take some time just to um, talk from God's Word, um, which is good stuff, right? And uh, to encourage us, you know, this is, uh, for me, I'm excited to speak on this Father's Day. And, you know, being a youth pastor, as long as I have um, seen the impact of the role of a father in people's lives has been a, a massive uh, thing for me, and I've got to see it through a unique lens um, and so many different stories and so many different ways over the past 12 years, 13 years of doing youth ministry. And one of the things in that as well in doing youth ministry is uh, I've never been able to speak on Father's Day. I always get to sit in the crowd, and so this is my first Father's Day to speak, and I was like, I'm going to do this, right? I want to speak uh, on Father's Day because honestly for me, um, you know, apart from following Jesus and being Michelle's husband, man, being a dad is my favorite thing in the world. And uh, I absolutely love parenting. I love my children. Um, I have so much fun being a dad, being a goofball with them, and, uh, and, and messing them up in my own way, which is my right and privilege. And so um, everybody's got to have issues they got to work through later in life, right? And I get to give my kids their issues, and that's fun. So I see that as a privilege. And so, um, so it's just absolutely so much fun. And really today, uh, this is going to be a message that will boil down towards the end that is for all of us. And so uh, today, I, I'm excited just to talk a little bit about the role of a father and to talk about the way that God has given us opportunity to father and to parent and for us to really have a greater understanding of who he is as our heavenly father. To view him in a way that sometimes our own stories and our own context limits our view of him. It, it constructs our view of him in a negative way. And, and hopefully that today this conversation will frame it in such a way that we'll all walk away encouraged to look at God as our heavenly father. Whom we can trust, whom we can look to, whom we can hope in, whom we can find joy in. And so uh, that is the hope for today. So let's pray before we jump into God's word. Father, we thank you so much for being able to be here today, to be in your presence, to have fun together, to be in the midst of people that you've brought together for your eternal purposes, that you've brought together to be a family together, 
to be supporters of each other, to be encouragers of each other, that you've brought together, that we together can help each other to look to you, to have faith in you, to stand firm in the work of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that today, Lord, as we speak and as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts, work in our minds, and God, that you will help us, Lord, to reevaluate how we view you, how we live our lives seeing you as Father. And Lord, that you will help us to walk with joy and peace, with hope. God, help us to walk with a confidence and an assurance, knowing that we are the children of the one true God, that we are heirs, God, to your throne, to your kingdom. And God, help us to walk with that boldness and that strength, Lord. We thank you for it. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So, you know, being a father, uh, um, you know, for me, it, it was, it's such a fun experience. And I always talk, I was even last night, we, you know, Newport News is um, exploding in growth in the area of infants. And so um, uh, they have lots of pregnant ladies and lots of ladies who have just given birth. And, uh, and I don't know what, I don't, we have to go back and see what we were preaching nine months ago. It must have encouraged something, or I don't know, whatever. But um, so, uh, so I was talking to one of the new dads last night who was there. And um, when I was talking to him, I was like, you know, it was so cool because he was reminiscing of just what he experienced even just, you know, a week ago of holding his son for the first time. And it was reminding me of what I experienced when I held Braden for the first time. And, and, and we were both just laughing about how unique it is um, in, in that experience of just holding a child. You know, because any other relationship in the world, it takes time, you know? I mean, there's some people who say, man, I saw her, and I know from that moment on that she was going to be the woman that I was going to marry, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that happened for you, and that's great, but there was still this time of developing that had to happen, right? Um, of just like, yeah, I've said that, but do I really, really like her? I don't know, you know? And so, but, but as a parent, I remember just holding my child for the first time and just looking at Braden with this unconditional, just crazy love for this nasty, ugly little alien that was in my hands, you know, it was covered with slime and just craziness. And, and I just looked at him with such an unconditional love and, and he had done nothing for me. And in fact, still 10 years later, he's doing nothing but take from me, right? And, and, and so like, it, it's, there's this odd sense going on that it's a different thing. You know, there's this reciprocal relationship with Michelle and I. You know, I, I give love to her and she gives love back. He just takes, you know, but yet I just so freely and willingly give because it's just something so unique and profound about that relationship. And it's just absolutely so different. I mean, he had messed everything up for me, even in his coming, because I was supposed to be going on my first trip to Chicago. Uh, I've never been to Chicago. It's actually one of the only major cities in the States that I haven't been to. And I was all excited to go to Chicago and I was ready for it, and I'm a huge foodie, and it's a big foodie town, and he abrupted that, and I had to cancel my trip, and the entire staff got to go, and they sent me a frozen pizza, which was great, but a frozen pizza in the mail instead of being there, you know? Um, so, I mean, that happened. We were in the middle of redoing uh, our wood floors, and we were hoping to get them done before he got there, and then we had to rush to the emergency room, or, or to the hospital, and came back to a house of half-finished floors, you know, after not sleeping for days. So, I mean, that's what, that, that is how he greeted me in this world. And I just loved him regardless of all of those things. Regardless of what that looked like and, and all of those things, I just absolutely loved him. And I just remember one of the big things, and, and even as I was talking with Tyler last night, one of the big things that I just remember is, is not only that sense of, man, I love this kid so much, but I remember just asking myself, not, just, not even seconds after I love him so much, I said, 
do I have what it takes to do this? <laughs> you know, like, am I going to be able to be this kid's dad? Like, I mean, do I have everything that I need to have? And, and of course, in that instant, I was like, heck no, right? <laughs> I do not. And so I remember that. And, and if you're like me, if you're a dad now, and even if you're not, if you could think back in your dad, you can remember moments where their question is still being asked, you know, just at, at 10 years of age for Braden and at six years of age for Ryland, there are moments in which every day things happen. And I go, do I have what it takes to be their dad? You know? And it's just a whole new reminding of, man, I, I, there's something bigger to this role. There's something that's so much more beyond than just what is there. That it's not just a sense of, man, okay, every day I wake up and I'm their dad and that's it. But there's something that's more going on. And I'm always sensing and realizing that I'm not perfect in what I do. And that I'm not fully equipped to do what I've been given to do. But at the same time, God's given me that role and God's given me that opportunity. And I'm excited to step into it every day because at the same time I realize it's not up to me, it's actually up to God. And really the thing that's on me and that's on my shoulders is, is how quick can I look to God and how much can I trust him in the work that he's given me to do. And so that's what today I want to speak to us a little bit about is, is just to give us a little bit of a framework. Those of us that are fathers, those of us who are one day looking to be fathers, those of us that are, 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 have been fathers and now you've transitioned to the grandparent role or maybe you're a mom here today and you're just like, okay, this is just, no, this is for all of us to be able to step in and say, how can I parent well and how can I lead not even those that are my children, but those that I go to church with, those that I have spiritual authority over, those that I have friendships with, how can I be somebody that helps them to see God as a heavenly father who is good, just, and right in all that he does? And so today, I want to encourage us by looking at David. David, 1 Kings chapter 2 is where we're going to be going. 1 Kings chapter 2. David is always a good example to look at when it comes to the role of a father, especially if you're in a moment where you think you failed miserably. Just go to Scripture and look at David, and you'll be encouraged that you quite haven't failed as bad as he has, right? Um, and so just be encouraged in that. And so here in 1 Kings... Chapter 2, we see David at the end of his life, and he's talking with Solomon. And this is, this is uh, recorded in, in multiple different ways. We have different insights. And so we're going to be looking at this in First Kings, and we're also going to be going back to Chronicles as well and looking there. And so here in First Kings chapter 2, verse 2, <coughs> David is talking to Solomon. And David says to Solomon here, he says in verse 2, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do wherever you go. This is an encouraging verse. Here in this verse, in verse 2, where he says, be a man, the word that's used there for man, it means man. And it's been used 457 times as the word man. But it's also, it's a very versatile word that's used multiple different ways. But even though it mainly says be a man, it's also used in the context of be a husband. It's also used in the context of a servant. It's also in the context of being a human being, a champion. It's also used in the context of whosoever you be. And what David is saying to Solomon here, he's saying, hey, listen, be strong and be whoever God has created you to be. 
Go and to be fully human. Go and be fully who God has created you to be in all of your gifts and all of your talents and and the way that you're going to champion certain causes and you're going to champion certain things, the way that you're going to be a warrior and all that you're going to do and all that God's going to give you opportunity to go and be that. Be fully who God has created you to be. And that is the opportunity, that is the role that we as fathers get to help our children do. To be fully who they are supposed to be. To help them navigate the waters of discovering who God's created them to be. The destiny that he's given them. The talents that he's given them so that they can use those things for his glory. You know, Brayden, in his life, you know, Brayden is one of those kids, he's super uh, spontaneous, he's super goofy. Um, This morning, just even walked in the kids' area, and he's wearing a dragon costume, chasing all the other kids around. Like, he's just, he's just so fun, and he's just so full on all the time. You know, all the time, Brayden's always, he's like, I want to go play baseball, I want to go play soccer. I want to, he's always wanting to play these different sports, and I'm just like, well, all right, let's do it. I said, but one, I'm your dad, and I wasn't good at those things, so you're probably not going to be good at those things, just so you know, right? Um, And, 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 you know, and then second, Secondly, I was like, you know, our schedules are kind of crazy, so we'll figure it out. But you're not going to be able to do all of them at one time, so you're going to have to pick and choose. And so we've experimented at different times. And, and so for Braden, you know, he does get a little bit discouraged sometimes because, you know, he goes out and he'll see, you know, all these other friends playing all these different sports, and they're just super good at them. And he's just like kind of average at those sports, you know. Um, he's found out he's really good at kickball, so he likes kickball a ton, right? Because he's like, I'm the home run king at kickball. And so I'm like, that's awesome, right? And so he likes that, but at the same time, he's discovered that there's other talents and there's other gifts that he has that other people don't have. And in those moments where he gets discouraged and in those moments where he gets just starting to beat himself up because he doesn't look like one of his friends, it's my job to step in and help encourage him and say, Brayden, this is who God's created you to be. Even last night when I was praying over him and just thinking of this message and all that God has been speaking to my heart, one of the things that I spoke to him and just, just prayed is, is God, you've already created him to be such an incredible young man who's impacting every life that he comes in contact with. God, I pray that you help him just to continue to discover who you've created him to be and that he will be full on living for Jesus in those things. See, I, I, as, a, as a father, I want to help my son. I want to help him to know it's, it's not about who I should be or who that person says I should be or the way that I should look, but uh, to look deep within and say there's things that God has given me, and there are going to be things that he's going to give me in the future to do, and that's who God's created me to be, and that's what God's created me to do, and I want to push him and navigate him to do those things and see those things and to celebrate those things. I want him to see that God has created him, not somebody that's just caused, created to be here on earth to exist, but God's created him to be on this planet for this time at this season of life so that the world can see and know that God is real and God is present. And that he's got a unique purpose in a unique way and how he's going to be able to do that. So I want to push him to do those things and to encourage him. I want to say be strong and be a man. Be fully who you were created to be. As, as, as people who attend church together, as people who have friends and they are believers in Christ, or, or, or even if they're not, it's our role, it's our opportunity to help to encourage, to help even be spiritual fathers and mothers to people, to encourage them, to recognize and to see this is who you were created to be. These are the gifts that you have. Here's what you excel at. Here's how you, like nobody else, can show that God is good, show that God is present, and show that God is real. And it's our job to encourage them in those things and to point them to who God is and what he's doing in life. And he says to him, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. I love that because it's such an odd statement that he's just talking to Solomon. He's like, hey, I'm getting ready to die. Don't worry about it, though. It's cool. 
like everybody's going to do it, you know. <laughs> I, I just kind of love how he's doing that. But when he's speaking to Solomon, when he's encouraging him in, he's saying, hey, listen, you're pretty young, and I'm getting ready to hand you to the reins of this kingdom. Like you're a young guy, and you don't have a ton of experience, and I'm getting ready to give you this kingdom, and you're going to be a king over all of these people, and they're going to expect you to know all of the right answers, all at the right times. There's a lot of pressure in it. Don't be discouraged in my dying. Don't be discouraged and don't feel that you've been abandoned, but be reminded that this life is temporary and that even in the temporariness of this life, that God will always be present with you. So I'm gonna be gone for a while. I'm gonna ha- it's not gonna take long and I'm gonna be gone, but remember that even when I'm gone, that God is here with you. He's encouraging him, saying, listen, God wants you to be something, and he wants you to do something. Chase after those things. Look to those things. Run after those things. But remember, it's not about the people that are around you. It's not about do I have this or not. Or do, you know, it's about the fact that either God is with you, and he's called you, or that you are outside from God, and you need to run back to God. Remember that, Solomon. Remember that my biggest role as a father is to do everything I can to point you to God and to trust in him completely. See, listen, David was known as being a man after God's own heart. And I don't know about you, but, you know, even as I was talking about earlier, David's not a perfect father. He was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect king. I mean, David had some big whoopses in his life, right? I mean, when you go through and read the story of the things that David did, even though he knew that he was called by God, even though he experienced God's presence in a unique way like nobody else had, David knew all of those things. He still made major, major decisions that affected him, affected his kingdom, affected his family. I mean, you go back through and you look at the things that he did. I mean, he was a pretty messed up dude, right? I mean, he was a pretty messed up dude, but yet scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever wondered, like, how does that work? Like, what does God mean by that? Like, he's a man after God's own heart. Like, how does the dude, like, slept with somebody else and then killed her husband, and then now that's the dude that he's getting ready to make king? Like, that's jacked up, you know? Like, I mean, there's some serious issues. And he's a man after God's own heart. How does that work? See, it wasn't who David was in the sense of being perfect. It wasn't, David, it wasn't David's ability to do everything to the T in the way that everything was supposed to be. He was a man after God's own heart because David knew that he was able to trust God and to know that the future was in God's hands and that God could be trusted in everything that he said. He was a man after God's own heart because he knew that, God's, that the future was in God's hands and that God was someone who could be trusted in what he said. No matter what happened, no matter in his mistakes, no matter in his perfections, no matter in his flaws, no matter in his great moments of victory, in his moments of defeat and humiliation, in any of those things, David was constantly standing firm in the fact that God was in control of the future and whatever God said was going to happen was going to happen. And that no matter what he did, he could always come back to that and say, God, you're loving, you're, you're forgiving, you're gracious. I have screwed up, but I'm here and I recognize who you are. And if you still want to use me, you can. God, and you said this is going to happen, and I believe that it's going to happen. God, make things right. That is how David was able to be a man after God's own heart. And that is how David lived as a father. If we go into 1 Chronicles, you can turn your Bibles back to 1 Chronicles if you want to, or you can just trust what I'm going to say to you. But in 1 Chronicles, what am I doing here? Going the wrong way. That's awesome. 1 Chronicles. Chapter 28, 1 Chronicles chapter 28, you see David speaking to 
Solomon here, and he's giving instructions to Solomon on what it's going to be as he takes over the temple and what he, or takes over the kingdom and begins to build the temple. And in verse 9, he says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. In chapter 29, we see David, after he's going through and giving all of these instructions to Solomon through chapter 28. In chapter 29, David begins to instruct and encourage the kingdom. And as he's talking to them about the preparation of building the temple, David gives everything that he has to the building of the temple and says, all of my wealth is going to go to it and encourages people to follow him in suit. And so he's setting Solomon up and he's saying, listen, you know how to do these things. Now you've got all the resources to do these things. And so he's going through and he said, one more thing, I'm just going to drill this into you, Solomon. I want you to know the way to be a successful king the way to be a successful man of God is to praise him to know that the future is in his hands and know that he can be trusted in all that he said so in verse in chapter 29 verse 10 you see this again then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly he says this he says oh Lord the God of our ancestor Israel may you be praised forever and ever yours O Lord is the greatness the power the glory the victory and the majesty everything in the heavens and on earth is yours O Lord and this is your kingdom we adore you as the one who is over all things he goes on and on and on God you're in control this is yours you're going to work things out and can you imagine as David who was king and who is the author of many of the psalms that we read to encourage us how many times Solomon had heard his dad pray you're in control the future's in your hands and I trust everything you can say as you go through and you read these verses, David's reminding all of the leaders of Israel, reminding Solomon, listen, God is in control. He said these things are going to happen. He said if we look to him and we follow him, that this is the kingdom that we will be. This is the land that we will have. And all of those things will be there. And in fact, God said that he will send the Messiah through the reign of this king. These are all going to happen as long as we keep looking to him. So he's saying just look to him. Trust in the future is in hand. It doesn't matter what you do. You make a mistake, bounce up and run back to God and just trust that the future is in his hands. That you can trust him. That when you look to him and him alone, that you don't have to worry about anything. That is the life that David lived and he modeled for his son. In verse 22 of chapter 29. Verse 22 verse of chapter 29. They feasted and drank in the Lord's presence with great joy that day. I'm not going to go long into this, but I think it's a huge thing, too, that we need to show our kids that it's a joy and a privilege, that it's, it's an exciting thing to be in God's presence, to be a part of his church, to serve God with joy. I, I don't ever want my kids to see me dragging out the tour on the way to church or coming home mad and throwing. I want my kids to know that I've been in God's presence and that I love what God is doing, that when I get home late some nights because I've been with a family who's going through a trial, that it's not heartbreaking for me, but it's one that I say, we've got to celebrate God's presence. We've got to be reminded that God is with us today. I want to lift up God and lift up his presence. It should be a celebration right? There should be moments when we come together and then we're around our table eating dinner together as a family or we're in life group doing that or we're going out together as a church uh, afterwards. It should be a celebration. It should be one saying, man, God is awesome and he's called us to be a part of this awesome and amazing life and we get to do this thing together and God is the one leading us and guiding us, right? It should be a celebration. Sorry, it's just a little pedestal for me, right? Sometimes a church can be the most boring, dragging place ever, and a church should be the greatest, most celebrated. It should be a party every week, right? 
and bacon and sausage and goofy videos and tug of war and Twix bars, right? So, and again, they crowned David's son Solomon as their new king. They anointed him before the Lord as a leader, and they anointed Zadok as priest. Now, this is a long thing that I'm going to get into, but he says it again because there was a moment in which you would find in 1 Kings where they had to rush because of this crazy, like, political upheaval thing that was going on. They had to rush to make Solomon king. But now they go back again and say, listen, no, this is God's plan. God's in control of all things. This is what he said is going to happen. He's in control of the future. We can trust what he said. And so he does it again and does it the right way to establish and to remind Solomon, this is how you're supposed to live. This is what you're supposed to do. Solomon, you know better than anybody else. You see how messed up your brothers are. You see how messed up my life is. You see all of these things. But remember, Solomon, that the future is in God's hands and he can be trusted in all that he said. Remember that. Always come back to that. And so you see Solomon, as he becomes king, God comes to him and, Solomon, and says, Solomon, anything you want, I'll give to you. What does Solomon ask for? Anybody know? Wisdom. Why did he know to ask for wisdom? Because David constantly said, listen, the way to do this life is to have wisdom and insight that God is in control of all things and he can be trusted. Solomon knew what to do because he had watched his father. And his father wasn't worried about how well he had done things. His father wasn't worried about the areas that he made mistakes. His father wasn't worried about any of those things. His father was worried about his position in God's eyes and God in his eyes and his ability to trust him. And as a father, that's where we should stand. And as a father, that's where we should be encouraged. As a member of this church, as a a part of this body, we should stand strong, whether a mother, a father, an attendee, whatever we are, right? An uncle, a cousin, whatever, that we should stand strong, that it's our opportunity, it's our role to help point each other and to point those that are our children of this church to say, listen, God is in control of the future and he can be trusted in what he said. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter where I failed. And in fact, because of how bad I failed and how bad I've messed up. And look where I am today. Look what God's doing. It doesn't matter about those things. Hold your head up and just be excited. God's given you somebody to help you avoid those issues, to avoid those trials, and to help you run even further and faster. That's where we should be as a father, as a leader, as a person in this church. So how do we do this? And we're going to go through these quickly. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 16. Paul here is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's been church in Corinth, and he's been encouraging them. And, and, and you, as you read this letter, Paul's just a little bit excited and a little bit encouraged. And, and, and he says something that is very strikingly similar, similar to what David is saying to Solomon, which is very similar to something that Joshua has said at one point. And he says this in verse 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything with love. So, keep it in mind. This thing to be a godly father, to be a man after God's own heart, it's not about being perfect. Because how many of you guys can say you're perfect? Right? None of us, right? Right? None of us. Not even Pastor Fred's hand went up on that one, right? So, like, we're not, it's not about being perfect, right? It's about saying, I want to do this thing. I want to do life in a way that honors God and helps people to see God's activity and presence in my life. To be aware that God wants to be active and present in their life. That's what he's called me to do. And so here, we see this encouragement, the way that we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to be on guard. 
And here when it talks about being guard, the word that it's using, it says to be in watch, to give strict attention to. And if you look at this, Paul uses, it's an uncommon word that he uses. And if you look at the two instances in which he uses it, 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 it kind of paints a clear picture. Christ even uses this a little bit uh, in his talking to be on guard, to be on watch. And, and main way, the majority of the time that Jesus says it, Jesus is saying to be on watch for my return. To be ready, to be watching, to be anticipating that I am returning. That what I've said is going to happen in this book. What I've said is going to happen out of my mouth. That it's actually going to happen. Be on watch, be expecting, be anticipating that God's word is going to come true. That God's promises are true. Be watching and waiting for my return. And that's the majority of the way that Jesus uses it. And Paul uses it to reemphasize that in multiple ways. But Paul also uses it in this way. And it helps to paint even a better picture in this verse. It says, um, even in this way, that it's an illustration for us to keep watchful, knowing that there's this real enemy that is coming after us. That as a father, that as a parent, as a leader in the church, we are supposed to be watchful, anticipating and believing that what God has said is going to come true and that Jesus is returning. And equally, we're supposed to be keeping watch that there's an enemy that wants to attack, there's an enemy that wants to come and destroy, there's an enemy that wants to steal and take and kill everything that we believe to be true. That we're to keep a watch and to be mindful of those things. That we should always be observant. That we should never get lazy and lackadaisical in how we are living this life. But we should be in watch. That we should be constantly encouraging ourselves. That's why it's important to come to men's breakfast. That's why it's important whenever we do a men's event or a men's retreat to go to those things. Because they're moments that help to re-excite us, to re-energize us, and to refocus saying, I've got to keep watching. I've got to keep seeing. I've got to keep knowing. I, there's stuff that's going on. God is true. God's word is true. And there's stuff that's going on that wants to discourage me from believing that in my own life and helping my kids to live a life believing those things as well. I gotta be watchful. I gotta be on guard. I gotta stand guard for my home, stand guard for my church and for my community that these things are to be trusted and that these things are to be watched out for. So we're supposed to be on guard. And then he says, stand firm in the faith. And this right here, when he says, stand firm in the faith, it's dependent upon the being watchful. That you're able to stand firm in the faith because it's not about believing all of these things that make up Christianity. It's about believing in the one who makes the promises of Christianity true. That we're standing firm in not what we believe, but we're standing firm in who we believe. Does that make sense? And so we're able to be on guard and be on watch because we believe that he's coming and because we believe that there's an enemy and we believe he's our protector and we believe that Jesus has accomplished all things in the past and all things in the future and we're able to stand firm not on what we have done, not on what we believe, but we're able to stand firm on who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That we stand firm and we be courageous and be strong. It says this, and this is an encouraging thing. That it says to, have you ever had anybody come up to you and just like, just be strong? Would you just be stronger? Like, I, you know, as a life, as a scrawny little child, right? I remember in freshman year of high school trying to play football, and I was like maybe a buck 20-something, maybe a buck 30 if I was wet. And I was a little bit shorter than I am now, so I was super lanky, super skinny. And I just remember being out there, being pummeled by everybody on the field. And I just remember coaches, be faster, be stronger. What can I do about that, dude? <laughs> like, look at me, you know? Um, the only substances I know that can do that are probably illegal, right? And so I'm just like, that's just, just discouraging. Be stronger, you know? Or just like, be taller. I can't do anything about that. Just leave me alone, all right? This is the way I am. But this is not what Scripture's saying. It's not God up there just going, be stronger. Be a better dad. 
Be courageous. It's not just saying these things to you. It's, the word it's actually saying is, is to be made brave. To be strengthened. Listen, be on guard and stand firm in the faith. And as you're standing firm in who Jesus is and the work that he has done, through his Holy Spirit, be made brave. Be strengthened in your spirit. So fathers, what the scripture is telling us to do and what our opportunity is and we can see in the life of David is to not come to the table as a father with all of our strengths and say, this is what I've been able to muster up. I'm gonna try to do the best that I can. But it's actually come to God and come to his feet, bring our stuff to his table and say, I can't do this thing. I'm not equipped enough to do it. Here's my weaknesses and here's my failures. Here's the things that I've done wrong and here's my attitude in this. I don't believe that this can happen. Here's where my faith is, is to take those things to him and say, but, because of who you are, and because I believe in you as my savior, and because of what you've done on the cross, I know what you can do through me. That we stand firm in those moments, and when we stand firm in who Christ is, he makes us brave. He makes us stronger through his spirit to do the work that he's called us to do. That we're able to stand up and to be the fathers that our children need us to be. To be the leaders in the church that he's called us to be. Not because of what we can bring to the table, but because of what Jesus has already done and what he brings to our lives through his Holy Spirit. That we're to be brave and to be courageous and strong in those things. And we're to do everything with love. To do everything with love. Another word that he uses here that I think better encompasses what this idea of love is, is to do everything with charity. That, that when we step into moments of disciplining our children, that we do it with love, we do it with charity. Not in the sense to prove a point, but to help make them stronger, to help to make them more brave and courageous in living the life that God's called them to live. That we step in moments of discipline, not to, to, to diminish them and to bring them down, but to encourage them and to point them to who God is and what he's doing in their life. To walk through and not to deflate them, but to instead say, no, I want to be used by God to shape your character in this moment so that you can avoid some things that I've how to go through in my life, that we go through moments of charity, that we're giving, that we're loving as we're leading our homes, that it's not about, well, your mom does this, I do this, that we do these things because God has entrusted your lives to us, that I do it with charity. I come to church and I'm giving and generous in my work and in the efforts that God's given me in the church, not because I'm trying to earn something, but because it's an opportunity God's given me. I'm generous in the work that I do in my workplace and in my career, not because it's something that I've got to do to provide for you to put food on the table, but because God is generous and he's given to me overwhelmingly. He's lavished his love on me and this is the way that I get to provide for you. This is the way that I get to, to minister in the world. This is the way that I get to connect with others to show them God's goodness. There's a sense of charity and love that what God has done and the love that he has given us pours out from us to others. That there should be this sense and this strength that when we are on guard and aware and we're watching for his return and watching for the things that can distract us and discourage us, when we're standing firm in the work that he's given us, that he makes us brave and makes us strong. And we find ourselves doing things with generosity and charity in a way that we couldn't do on our own. And we find ourselves as David, we find him in this moment where he's had affairs, where he's lost the kingdom. He's lost battles that he should have easily won. 
David has made multiple mistakes and multiple fails. His own son had just tried to take the kingdom from him. There's people that should be entrusted leaders that David has to go and remind his son, these people betray me because I failed them at one point. These people have failed the kingdom because I did these things. Instead of all of this bucket full of stuff that David brings, and he says, oh, this life's getting ready to end, and oh, so miserable, I failed. David comes to him and says, listen, stand strong. The future is in God's hands. What he says to be true is going to be true. Stand firm in who God is. And he will give you everything that you need. He will help you to be successful in this life. He will help you to overcome in this life. He will encourage you and he will give you the strength to accomplish the things that he's said are going to be accomplished in your life. And that's the role he's given us as a dad. That's the opportunity he's given us as leaders in the church to be able to stand firm, to be able to be brave, to be courageous, to be charitable, to be good, to be giving, to be loving, to be the things of who Jesus is. Unless, as the worship team comes up, this is the encouragement for the whole church. You see a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 2 where a mom's bringing her son to the church. He doesn't have a father. He needs to have somewhere. Someone who he can watch. Somebody who he can observe. To see the things that he should be doing and see the things that he shouldn't be doing. As a church, if your picture of who God is as a father is drastically shaped by the father that you've had here on earth, be encouraged that what you've experienced in this life does not have to define who God is. Be encouraged that God in his wisdom and his graciousness and his mercy, he's created his church so that we can come together. We can be in God's presence and we can look to people like Pastor Fred. We can look to people like Alex and Nathan. And we're like, wow. Look at, look at how they love God and look at how they're living for God. And we don't have to look at that with discouragement and just saying and say, I wish my dad was that way, but we get to look at it and say, man, they could be a spiritual leader in my life. They could be somebody that can help me and encourage me. They could be somebody that can help show me a way to live and what not to do. They can help, be somebody to help me to see who God is and to know that he's a loving father and he's a merciful father, that he's a good father and he's a just father. That what my understanding of a father is does not have to shape my understanding of who God is. Because God brings you into a family and he uses the people in his church to help show us his goodness and his mercy and that he's present and that he's active in his life. If you're in the church today, whoever you are and you are a follower of Christ, you get the honor and the privilege to at some point and even now to be a spiritual father to someone. That even if you're a youth, now I look over here at you guys. My son looks up to you. My son is watching how you live your life for Jesus. And not only do I have a voice in his life, but so do you. Others of you in this room who are spiritual fathers to my son and to my daughter, teach them in kid life. When you do set up and you do tear down, the joy and the generosity in which you follow Jesus reinforces the things that I say to them at home or it detracts.
we're in this thing together. Moms, you're spiritual leaders in this church. Maybe you don't have a husband in your life or maybe things are different in your life. Maybe there's people in this church, there's people that will come into this church who will never be able to because their story is so broken, will never be able to connect to a man like me. But they can look to you and you can help reshape their idea of who a heavenly father is. You can reshape and redefine God's perfect love for them and help them to reevaluate their story and allow God to restructure their life and transform their life so that they have a whole new story to tell. This thing is not just about be a dad and be strong and build stuff and blow things up. This thing's about being strong in character. It's about being strong at heart. It's about being faithful and saying God is true. And everything that he says that will come to pass, it will come to pass. And whatever failures you've experienced, you can hold your head high because God is in the one who is in control of the future. There will be consequences for your mistakes. There will be things that you will have to endure because you made a bonehead move. But God is still in control and the future is in his hands. Look to him and trust him. Hold your head up high. We get to be a church, we get to be a body, we get to be people who encourage and excite people to see that God is present and God is real. David, in his dying breath, in the end of his life, excited once more an entire nation to give of everything they had. They gave tons of gold and tons of bronze and tons of silver and more wood and fabric than we can even imagine. They lavished all of their stuff because one man said, God is in control of our future, no one else. And what he said has come to pass is gonna come to pass and we are to follow him and him alone. They saw one man living that life and because of that, Solomon grew in wisdom and stature like no other king had ever lived before him. And Solomon himself knew goodness and knew peace and knew joy in a way that nobody else had ever known as long as he kept his eyes on his heavenly father. Father, I just pray that today we be encouraged, that today we be reminded that you are a good father. There's chaos in this world. There is brokenness in this world. There is suffering. There is pain. There is heartache. There is loss. Those things are present because of our unwillingness to follow after you. Because of our rejection of your good plans and of your sovereign will. Father, today, help us be reminded by those that are in this church family, those that are in our lives, that are in other churches, that are in our family, that are our uncles and that are our grandfathers, and that are our godfathers that are godly living after you, that they're, they're faith-filled and they're standing firm in the work of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be reminded through their lives of your goodness, of your justice, and the fact that everything you do is right. In this church, help us to stand strong and help us to stand firm in who you are. 
God, may in our standing firm in the work of Jesus Christ, may you make us brave, may you make us strong to do all that we do with charity and to do all that we do with love. God, so that this world can see that you are present, that you are good, that you are holy, that you are loving, and that you have a plan, a plan that can be trusted, that you are a God, that you are a Father who can be trusted, that can be turned to, that can be run to, that can be embraced by. God, we pray. God, that as we look to you, God, as we stand strong in you, that you will help us to be able to be fully human, to be fully walking and embracing the destiny that you have for us, the calling that you have for us, showing the goodness of Jesus. Father, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand and worship with us.